lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. I am live and on location here in Dallas, Texas. My name is Steve Dace. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast radio program as well here on Blaze TV. Blaze Radio, Blaze Podcast. Todd and Aaron, they're here too. They're just back home in the free state of Iowa, which continues to essentially open everything up but the casinos. Gentlemen, it's uh, it's good to see you. How are you? What's the weather back there, back home? Still depressing. Still, um, I don't know, early April weather in the middle of or late May now. So I, I'm not at all upset or belly aching about that. So there's that. He's Mr. Sunshine wow. today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> wow. just, I, I'm bringing the sunshine where there is none, apparently. Well, it's cloudy here, too. It's just about 30 degrees uh, warmer and 700% more humid. But uh, that's fine. Uh, so why am I here? Well, one of the big themes of today's show, Mark Meckler from uh, Open the States is going to be joining us here at the bottom of the hour, is I, I thought it was time, if, if I'm urging you uh, to get out of your homes and defy this and get back to being Americans. All along, I have tried to put into practice what I've suggested for you in the audience. So at the beginning, when we were still learning about this and, and caution was, was more of, of what was happening, we, we did the disinfectant. We did the social distancing from the grandparents. We did the 30-day grocery buy, etc. When more and more things began to open up, when it was time to get a haircut, I said, hey, I'm, I'm just going to use a back alley barber. I can't do this anymore. And I did. When the first counties in our state began to open up, uh, it, we didn't live in one of them. We went and traveled day one to one of the open counties, went out to eat at a restaurant day one, spent the night in a hotel right away day one. When things began to open up in the county in Iowa where we live, we went out to eat day one, no masks, no gloves, out to eat day one. We went, when we could go back to church, we went back physically to church day one. In other words, with every, pro, with every step of this process, um, I, I have, I've not asked you guys to do anything, whether it was caution or whether it was restoration. I've not asked you guys to do anything I haven't been doing with my own family and in my own private life. But um, as, as we've urged you more and more to, to claim your authority as Americans, get out of your homes, get back to the business of being Americans. They can't arrest everybody. There was one thing, one box I'd yet to check, and it was this one. And I was sitting around one day, you know, I was, I was talking the other day somewhat about myself autobiographically, guys. I just didn't tell you this at the time. But when I went on this uh, tangent, well, I should probably quantify which tangent are you, just, are you thinking of, Steve? When I went on the tangent about competition, you remember that one, how competition makes us better, right? Well, last week, I saw Clay Travis had left, Na or a couple weeks ago, I saw Clay Travis had left in his native Nashville and was broadcasting live from Florida's open beaches. And I was like, hell no. No. He is not outflanking me on this. So literally the next day, I went out, made reservations to fly here from Des Moines straight to Dallas. 
So I don't have to worry about stopping in Chicago, where, where you, there are several states that won't let you fly from Illinois in there because that's still considered one of the hot spots. I wanted to fly directly from Iowa to here to Dallas. I'm here on location. I went through the process with the masks and everything else. Flying was fine. The, the typical frustrations and, you know, eventual safe landings that, that defined the American flying experience before coronavirus, just with far more desolate airports and no cars parked in the extended parking. It's That's eerie and bizarre. But beyond that, everything else, totally fine. I went out to dinner here with a friend of mine in Dallas last night. Great meal, great weather. And I just thought, guys, that it was time now for me, if, if we're going to urge everybody in our audience, hey, I, you know, I'm stuck in my home and we're telling them, no, you're not stuck in your home. You're stuck in your own mind. Get up and leave your home. You will decide when the lockouts end, ultimately. Because we're not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We're a nation of political will, and we always will be. So you're going to decide when the lockouts end. You're going to decide. And when you decide you're done obeying this, they're gonna, they're, every time you've done that, they've realized they really can't enforce it. And that's when you get more of your freedom back. And I just thought, guys, it was, it was time for, for me to follow suit and check that box as well. Yeah, well, I mean... The- <laughs> Life happens uh, pretty fast, but you get to decide according to the terms. And uh, we've, if we learn any lesson from all of this, everything we've gone through, is that we have put the terms we are willing to live on mm-hmm. in the hands of a nanny state that loves to press the buttons, not for any sort of utopian dream perhaps misguided but you know good intentions no they really like to be puppet master in your life and they will take it to levels of extremes that i know a lot of you are now understanding i never saw this coming so the only question left to do is uh it's sean connery the untouchables what are you prepared to do if nothing Expect more of the same at some point down the road. There will be some kind of new virus, whether it's biological or not, that forces us to grab our ankles again because they've watched what we've done here mm-hmm. and they like what they've seen. Yeah, it was really cool to see yesterday one of our listeners, uh, I think it was earlier this week, uh, or no, it was on, I think it was on maybe even Feedback Friday, uh, you talked about, don't want to hear any more uh, listeners or emails, I guess I should say, from Illinois or any of these spots where they just have this still the most draconian lockdown orders, go out, live your life. And yesterday, saw one of our listeners tweet a picture of, uh, of him and his kids at a playground in Michigan. I love that. And Mm -hmm. I'll just call an audible here. If you would, you know what, if you're on Twitter or something like that, send us pictures of what you're doing, getting out and about and defying whatever, you know, defying the lockdown orders. If you are in a state where you're still told, well, you can't leave your house, you can't go play on the playground, you can't go and do any number of things. I'd love to see that personally. And I know I think Todd and, and Steve would as well. Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. Regular order of business. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample at yourself and then share with others, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. We mentioned defiance. Get back to being Americans. Uh, take your authority back as the people of this country. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of the theme here today. Glenn uh, did a, a special last night on Blaze TV about 
about this. Uh, we're going to talk uh, to a good friend of mine, Mark Meckler from Convention of States. He's now leading a project, Open the States. And tomorrow, my understanding is the day of defiance, where they're, they're encouraging people all over the country, just get up and go to work. They can't arrest everybody. It's time to end this. As we learned today, we are approaching 40 million unemployed. 40 million, folks. 40 million. We're at 38.6. That's almost the entire population of California, the leading population state in the country. 40 million unemployed we are approaching. So we'll talk to Mark Meckler about that here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, I recently gave a presentation at a virtual conference on Romans 13 and what it means to submit to the civil authority and what it doesn't mean. That's going to be our topic for Theology Thursday. We're going to share that video with you, and then Todd and Aaron will provide their commentary on it for Theology Thursday next hour, and then we'll finish up with three non-political questions and try to have a little bit of fun as well. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by a future president, maybe. Our data is available. Our data is transparent. In fact, Dr. Burks has talked multiple times about how Florida has the absolute best data. So any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun. Yesterday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis voiced his frustration with criticism of his state's handling of Wuhan coronavirus. And part of the reason is that because you you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks. Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy. Wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. Not only do we have a lower death rate, well, we have way lower deaths generally, we have a lower death rate than the Acela Corridor, D.C., everyone up there. We have a lower death rate than the Midwest, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. But even in our region, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida has the lower death rate. And I was the number one landing spot from tens of thousands of people leaving the number one hot zone in the world to come to my state. So we've succeeded. And I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative. It challenges their assumption. So they got to try to find a boogeyman. Maybe it's that there are black helicopters circling the Department of Health. If you believe that, um, I got a bridge in Brooklyn. I'd like to sell you. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz has accidentally accomplished what hasn't happened in 500 years, bringing Catholics and Protestants together. Yesterday, the Minnesota Catholic Conference and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod announced they'll be resuming in-person worship services in that state, despite the governor's continued executive order disallowing churches from meeting with more than 10 people. Governor Walz has previously said malls and retailers like the Mall of America could meet at 50% capacity. Ohio State University Athletic Director Gene Smith tweets, just want to clarify the number of fans we could host in Ohio Stadium this fall under physical distancing guidelines could be as low as 22,000, but may also be as many as 40 to 50,000 if guidelines are relaxed. Translation, the athletics director for one of the premier college football programs in the country is not considering whether there will be football this fall. He's discussing how many fans will actually be able to attend games, and that's a very positive development. Another positive development, high schools in Iowa have beaten Major League Baseball in returning to play. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, as well as the girls and boys high school athletic associations in the state, paved the way for softball and baseball to be played in the state this summer. Learning Chinese 
cities today. Today's phrase is: Is this Iowa? No, it's going to be a smoldering pile of ash. 这是爱荷华州吗？不，它将是一堆闷烧的灰烬。Boston's Channel 25 News found the man on the street interview that speaks for us all. I have to give up my business that I worked 25 years, sacrificed my life for. Okay, for coronavirus, I'll take coronavirus over losing my business. Okay, and I guarantee you, 99% of the people who are here will do the same thing. Meanwhile, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo still refuses to take responsibility for his disastrous policies regarding nursing homes. Instead. This is what he's talking about on CNN with his brother. First of all, is it true that when you were having the test administered, you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and had to be released with a tool? Is that true? Just to just to deal no, with the record. She 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 wanted to comment that I have a little button nose,、mm. and she was afraid that the swab. Would actually hurt because it it extended my、uh, nasal cavity. Is it true that this was the swab that the nurse was actually using on you, and that at first it went into your nose and disappeared, so that in scale this was the actual swab that was being used? To fit up that double-barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. New York Times headline: The end of meat is here. If you care about the working poor, about racial justice, and about climate change, you have to stop eating animals. Oxford University has published new research regarding the severity of certain countries' lockdowns and whether it had an impact on how well they did to curb COVID-19. They say there's little correlation at all. The stated death toll. Of the coronavirus, stated meaning that's what the so-called authorities are telling us has reached 100,000 people in the United States. Another 2.43 million people filed for unemployment in the United States last week. That brings the total since mid-March up to 38.6 million people out of work because of the lockdowns. Joe Biden, your thoughts? From this pandemic, you can remake the world as it should be. To see COVID-19 as a force majeure that compels us to rewrite the social contract that's been scrambled by nature's fury and human failures, you can set the terms for an economy, healthcare system, education system, immigration system, and a justice system that uplifts more people of every race, gender, and generation. And that's what happened while we were away. Brought to you by Keeps. Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair. No shock, since the dreaded male pattern baldness gene runs in both of their families. But the way they chose to deal、uh, to deal with it、uh, could not have been more different. Kyle kept putting it off. Never got that hair loss treatment. Just kept losing more hair by the day. He's now probably shaving his head. While Josh went to Keeps to learn how to keep his hair, Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products, so they are the real deal. But the generic versions also saved Josh a fortune. And all it took was a quick online consultation. He answered a few questions, snapped a few pics of his hair, and then a doctor evaluated everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh. And then it was shipped discreetly to his door because Keeps lets you save all of this. This, the money, the hair, everything, without ever leaving your couch. So to get you started, how about half off your first order? That's right. Go to keeps.com/grow. That's keeps.com/grow for half off your first order at keeps.com/grow. We are going to discuss in the overtime today what we each believe Joe Biden means. 
when he says the aftermath of, of coronavirus is an opportunity to reshape and remake America. We're going to discuss that today in the overtime. If you're already a Blaze TV subscriber, good news for you. It'll be there for you when we post it later today at blazetv.com slash Dace. If you're not yet, though, a Blaze TV subscriber, that's also where you can go to become one and get a discount for your subscription. blazetv.com slash Dace. Again, that's blazetv.com slash Dace. Oxford. Why are we listening to them? Aren't they just some podunk uh, uh, juco half rank, half rear ended? Uh, where, where are they at, by the way? Like, are they like in uh, one of those junior colleges in Kansas? Do you know where Oxford is? You ever heard of that school, guys? Uh, vaguely familiar. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they have any credentials at all? I mean, why, why, why do we care what they have to say about what's happening in the world? What do they know? I don't know. There's, I, I think they and they and Stanford like have some sort of. Quidditch scrimmage somewhere that I've heard of <laughs> right. uh, up and coming. But other than that, I these these are low level schools, really. I mean, I right. don't. I mean, it, I, I believe the 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 university was commissioned about a week after the the Druids built Stonehenge. But it, it's not like they've been around and, and seen some things at all. Anyway, whatever their opinion matters here, uh, they have chimed in and agree with the Steve Day Show. This is the dumbest management decision. That's been ever done. And, and, and I think now in all of human history, I mean it. When, when you look at the collective countries that bought into this, now 20 of them that did lockdowns in the industrialized world are sending their kids back to school. We are apparently bound and determined to be one of the final ones. Although, guys, I don't, this didn't make Aaron's montage, but you see what came out of California yesterday. So Gavin Newsom, just to, I, I want to I want to make sure the audience follows the chain of events here on Sunday. OK, well, actually, it's even go back a couple days prior. The Cal State University system, which oversees all of California's universities, except for the three largest or the four largest uh, Cal Stanford, uh, which is a private school, USC, which is a private school in UCLA. I think it oversees all the rest of the schools, uh, universities in, in California, I think 21 or 23. So, right, it was, I think it was Thursday of last week that the Cal University system said we're not sending kids back to school in the fall, which, of course, immediately made people think, because we've been told by all these college football conference commissioners that that's, that's the bell cow, that's the, that's the beacon for the players to, to be able to play this fall as if the students are living campus life, because they're also students. And so the, the, that, that means San Diego State, San Jose State, several of those kind of mid-major, big uh, Division One programs, like a, a, at a Mountain West conference, are in, in a lot of those uh, schools that said they weren't going to be going to school this fall and that put their fall sports teams in jeopardy. That was on Thursday of last week. On Sunday, Gavin Newsom went on with Jake Tapper and said, we're never going back to school in California again without a vaccine. On Monday, he said, we're open for sports. <laughs> All right. And yesterday he said, uh, we're going to announce that, that uh, uh, next week and that you can begin, Hollywood can begin uh, film and television production as, as early as next week in California. Again, next week. Todd, you said a few minutes ago, life comes at you fast. Gentlemen, that's that's bullet speed. All four of those things have happened in the state of California in just the last six days. How do you explain that? What's going on there? Well, what's going on there is there's competition and more and more people have decided they are done with this. And now, and now states that have a, a pop culture stake 
in their economy are that are in these blue state uh, this blue state confederacy that just we're just going to lock down forever and try to essentially kneecap america they're they're forced into a corner now where they have to make a decision what's more important the money or the ideology and what you're learning from gavin newsom as i told you yesterday you didn't get a haircut like that guy is going to one of bernie's gulags okay the ideology is very very important to gavin newsom very important it's not as important as the money you're learning that you're figuring that out so what that means for the rest of us that want to reopen is the money is the price point that's the pressure point you know, the, the, the old Iowa football coach, Hayden Fry, had a great, uh, great line for many years about how he used to call plays. You scratch where it itches. So Gavin Newsom and some of these others have told you where the itch is. The itch is the money. Don't give them any federal money to stay locked down. They don't get a dime. And have the red states that can compete with them in the pop culture arena, the Texases, the Floridas, and that soundbite they didn't play from Ron DeSantis, absolutely outstanding. Get the Texas's, Florida's, and Arizona's with red state governors that also have a huge stake in what happens in pop. Georgia's one of the biggest filming on-location states in the country. Get those states back and up to order a business. And lo and behold, uh, you're going to find out, as we're learning in the last six days, that as much as Gavin Newsom loves him, some progressivism, he loves the Benjamins even more. And so now that the money is threatened, suddenly play ball and um, action. That's what you're learning from the state of California. Am I wrong? Oh, no. I'm No, I, the Karens are going to Karen no matter what. Right. And it just takes, and this is, this has been my experience in all walks of life. And this is at the local level. If you go all the way up to Washington, D.C., ultimately, this is, you know, Steve's Rosa Parks theory. No. I mean, the, in a very short period of time, they heard in California from any number of sources, you guys are crazy. We're going to do our own thing. If you get mm-hmm. in our way, we will mock you. We will bring you down. Uh, as you've said, Steve, every, you know, even, even progressives have their sacred cultural everyman yeah. sort of cows. And they're all getting crushed right now. Yeah. And people are saying. They like, they like no. going to the movies too, guys. Yeah. They like going to football games and baseball games too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you're in, you know, Gavin Newsom's shoes or, or really pick your Democrat uh, tyrant, wannabe tyrant governor, you know, the theory has been that they're just going to uh, stay locked down for as long as they possibly cl- can in order to hurt whatever or whoever politically that they possibly can uh, for as long as they can. And then they'll just get a federal bailout uh, when yeah. this is all said and done. Absolutely. That's been the plan. You here's, here's the here's the, uh, the the interesting thing I think that that you're seeing happen. One in California, if you continue along this path because of the size of the state and the GDP of that state alone, there's not guys. I mean, they'll figure out a way to bail them out, but that's going to be a price tag that is uh, going to be a quite a bit different than a uh, Michigan or elsewhere as well. But when you see Tesla, uh, yeah, I think we're going to move to Austin. When you see uh, when you see filmmakers who are already going to places like Georgia. And where they can produce their films and their their uh, movies and 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 TVs uh, shows a lot uh, on the cheap compared to California, uh, you start to see uh, okay, uh, this is going to be this is going to, the price to pay here is going to be quite a bit more steep 
than what I thought. And you, you're exactly. going to see even more. Again, it's the competition that you talked about. I can do, I can actually do this and I can do it for cheaper elsewhere. Why am I still living here? Why am I twiddling my thumbs on my couch at home? If you're a, if a, a Hollywood producer or a studio exec, why are you sitting around when all of your assets are not making any money, when all of your talent is not making any money producing anything whatsoever with no end in sight? You're going to start looking at other states to do your to do your work in. And I think that's what that's what they're seeing. There's there. I mean, California uh, in some places has already been hemorrhaging has already been hemorrhaging uh, business and population. If it happens too fast, though, which it threatens to do, if you keep things locked down for as long as Gavin Newsom has threatened to do, uh, that price becomes a little bit more steep and a little bit more acute. And I think that's probably what you're seeing with Gavin Newsom. That's exactly right on the money. That's great analysis there, Aaron. I mean, look at the situation in Minnesota. This is an untenable position. It's just not it's not defensible on any level. And it's it's a bad political play by Governor Waltz because the only option he gives you is that he just doesn't want churches open to preach their message. Because in in no universe can you justify why the Mall of America could even be half full. That's one of the largest that that is the largest retail campus in the in the country. First of all, it's one of the largest indoor attractions in the country. So even even at half mast. That is, I mean, that's, that's still a monumental attraction at half full. So the Mall of America can be half full any day of the week. But one day a week, 500 to 1,000 people can't go to church for an hour? Is there, is, there any, is there any rationale for that? Anything you could come up with that, that justifies that? Other than the mall of america doesn't preach a message that threatens the hegemony and authoritarian uh, inclinations of a leftist governor like tim waltz and the church does I, I can't think of another rationale and and that's why this is such a bad political play because he also forced we were just talking about this the other day todd for he forced the catholic church off the sidelines now yeah they're a big they're a big piece of this puzzle because it's still the largest christian church in america it's still the largest gathering of self-proclaimed christians in america is the catholic church and they've largely been on the sidelines of this battle and even in states where they've been allowed to reopen like our own in iowa they've set it out but when when you rub their noses in it yes that when you go so far that you that that you're the one that dropped the deuce on the floor, not the dog, but then you grab the dog by the back of its neck and rub its nose in it, you're forcing that dog now, who would like to be compliant, who would like to be your pet, you have forced that dog to bite the hand that feeds him now, because this is such an affront, it's such an insult that the, that the basic instinct takes in. And I remember the last time the Archdiocese and the Missouri Synod Lutherans ever worked together on anything anywhere in America. But that just goes to show you how over the top this is, inexcusable it is, because there's no other way, Todd, to justify this or explain it other than the guy just doesn't want churches open. Yes, this is where it's not just the fear part of the coronavirus. This is progressivism, is cancer here. And this is what we've talked about all the time. I mean, the... uh, Conservatism uh, under the banner of uh, Christianity, it, it, uh, we talk about this in the pro-life movement all the time. Like it, it, it often doesn't deserve many wins because it's constantly putting the lion in the cage. It's constantly pulling its punches. And how many times on this show have we talked about the thing that ultimately saves it 
time and time again is this kind of overreach. We, if nothing else, we can always rely on progressivism have to have no sense of right. not no proportion. No, right. no, no. And so it'll always do this. It'll wake up the base. We do yep. something, but and that's a it, it, the, the cycle keeps going on because then we get into the psycho. We 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 have to vote for this alternative to that craziness. It's just this ridiculous perpetual cycle. So to make Steve's point, there's nothing particular unique going on in this situation as it pertains to the coronavirus. Now, you can always count on Democrats to have no, no don't Democrats don't believe in proportional response. And Republicans' notion of proportional response is, is microscopic <laughs> at the exact same time. Um, what, what's happened in our home state where Governor Reynolds yesterday lifted the restrictions on summer sports. We're one of the few states. Nebraska is another one that has a, a separate summer sports season for baseball and softball. And her lifting that restriction after a lot of the high school officials were, were hemming and hawing publicly. Hey, we, we can't play. It's not safe. Don't lift the restrictions. Lo and behold, she takes the political cover away. Remember how we talked about how Trump needs to, to not renew the 30 days and all that other stuff and put the pressure back on these governors to answer to the people themselves? Because right now, the White House is providing them cover. Remember we had that conversation? He's, he's giving them political fig leaves. He needs to move, remove that and, make, and give the people a free shot directly right at their state governments. Kim Reynolds, our governor, yes. did that with the bureaucrats and the high school athletic association yesterday. She said, I have no justification to hold on to keep this ban. So you make your decision now, but you're not, you don't get to use me as an excuse anymore. I'm not your ghetto pass anymore. And lo and behold, after saying for days, there's no way we could do this. Lo and behold, lo and behold after she said that we're going to go ahead and do this, Aaron, they decided you're right. We're, we're actually going to go ahead and play now. And that's so important. That's such an important, uh, distinguish, uh, you know, distinction I should say to make, because who are you more likely to see governor Reynolds or your local, superintendent. It's always going to be the latter. And so now the onus is on your local superintendent. That same principle works in basically every arena as well. Put the onus back at the local level and you'll see good results, results really fast. Little shout out to Todd's subsidiary there. We'll come back more on The Blaze here in a moment. When life is in chaos, your home is your safe haven, your most important asset. But do you do you truly own it? Don't be so sure. Imagine getting evicted for non-payment of a loan that you never took out. It happened to Deborah, and it's happening everywhere. It's called home title theft, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes. That's why I urge you to get home title lock. Your home's legal title is kept online, and thieves know it. So they will forge your signature on your home's title, and that's it. They can legally own your home and then take out loans on it. Your bank doesn't cover you, neither does your insurance. But the only way that I know of to avoid this nightmare and possible eviction is with our friends over at Home Title Lock. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and use promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection to help you get through this crisis. Again, enter Steve uh, for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Well, we mentioned at the top of the show today that defiance, getting back, uh, Americans getting back to being Americans is uh, the key theme here today. Last night here on Blaze TV, Glenn Beck had a special towards that end. Uh, I made the decision to hop on an airplane yesterday and say, hey, if I'm going to tell you folks that are, are are complaining to me about, you know, you're under the thumb of a Democrat dictator governor. And I'm like, well, you guys have all the guns. 
take your Glock and take your kid to the park. Leave. I mean, what they, they, I mean, that's the point of the Second Amendment. I mean, I, but if I'm going to say that you guys should get up and leave your homes, it's time for me to do the same. So I got on a plane yesterday, flew for the first time since February, and I'm down here in Dallas uh, uh, on location uh, from the Blaze TV studios doing the show today in the same state as my good friend Mark Meckler. Most of you know him from the Convention of States, but now he's leading an effort right now to open the states. And Mark, it's good to see you. Welcome back here to Blaze TV radio and podcast. How are you? I'm very good. Welcome to the land of the free and the home of the brave. We're glad to have you here in Texas. Uh, always good to be here, brother. So tomorrow is a watershed day. That's my understanding, right? Tell us about it. Well, look, the reason that they're able to lock us down and my frustration is that we consent to it. They can only do what we consent to. Tomorrow we withdraw our consent. The lockdown ends nationally. It's over. I don't care what the governors say. I don't care what the mayors say. It's over. Tomorrow is Freedom Friday, hashtag Freedom Friday. This is where we're asking every American to stand up and say, no, we're done. We're asking people who own their businesses to open those businesses, to say, we're going to open up. And we're asking all of us, you, me, everybody, to show up. And what I mean by that is starting tomorrow, we're going to go out. We're going to shop at local businesses. We're going to dine in local establishments. We're going to spend our money locally. The government's not going to do it. We're going to reopen for business. Why tomorrow? Is there significance about tomorrow or was it just the first day that you could possibly pull this effort together uh, to end this once and for all? There's a lot of significance. This is the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. And this is the time when we remember. It's not a celebration holiday. I want people to remember that. This is a time when we remember those who signed on the dotted line that they would be willing to die for the Constitution. They gave an oath of loyalty to the Constitution. And this is for the people who actually did. They paid the ultimate price. And so there is an irony that is not acceptable to me and to millions of Americans that we would cower in our homes, not exercising our First Amendment rights, not exercising our our right to assemble, our right to worship, our right to travel. The things that are so fundamental that these people died for, the idea that we would sit in our homes cowering because the government tells us we can't do these things, not acceptable on Memorial Day weekend. We're going to stand in honor of those who gave all so put some uh hands and feet on this for us mark what what's this look like around the country if um you know i i a woman who's a frequent emailer caller to the show uh, susan in rhode island if she's listening right now right if you're susan in rhode island right now what's this look like for somebody like her so here's what's really important to me i'm sorry i'm getting a ring here steve what's really important to me is that people stand up and do their part. And what I mean by that is that they actually engage. So they're going to have to go out and participate and go out to their stores and shop at their stores. I would recommend that they write to their merchants today and say, please be open. We, we want to talk to you. We want to know you. We want to know you're going to be there and we're going to go, come and we are going to patronize your stores. So for her, if she doesn't own a business, it's about going to openthestates.com. We've got a place where they can record a 10 second video saying, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to show up. So do that so that the authorities can see there's going to be hundreds of thousands of us all over the country doing this and then go out and patronize those local businesses. The key is action. Like, you know, you, you said it, Steve, people complain, we moan, we, we bitch about what's going on, but we don't do anything. So this is a weekend for regular people. It's easy to take action. Just say no more, go out, patronize these businesses. That's how you become part of the movement. We're in a position too, Mark, where right now 
because I'm literally, it's like being in a Pyongyang uh, prison. When you're in an American airport, you are subjected to CNN. Even with my yeah. even with my earbuds on, um, so I can't hear it. I, I accidentally turned around and saw the lower third yesterday as I was waiting to board. <laughs> Reopening begins in all 50 states as cases mount in 18. I just continuing to to peddle as much of this panic porn as they possibly could. But the the first part about that is key. There is some semblance or claimed semblance of reopening happening now in all 50 states. So yeah. this is so this is not just you know you're not this is cuz our people you know how they get well we got to obey the law even if I don't like it right our people don't like to feel like they're you know radicals on that level at least a segment of them this is a thing now where you are if if you're not if if you're like I don't know if I can bring myself to do civil disobedience which I'd be totally fine with but if that's you Every state in the union right now is claiming it's doing some kind of reopening. Now, several of them don't really mean it. Okay, this blue state confederacy we talk about on the show all the time. But all 50 are claiming they're doing something. All, all really you're asking them then by, by saying go out tomorrow, open your business, go, go you know, patronize other businesses. You're basically saying, hey, call the bluff of your governor. In every one of these 50 states, they're saying they're doing some form of a reopening. Okay, then we are, by all means, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna test that theory then. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and I don't even consider this civil disobedience. Here's the reason. First of all, most of these ordinances or these emergency orders have holes so big in them, you could drive a truck through them. There's all kinds. You of mean like you can, you can you can go to the Mall of America now in Minneapolis uh, as of June 1, but you can't go to church. You mean stuff like that? Well, yeah. and also just no, seriously, they've said things like, uh, look, there are exceptions for mental health. All right. Well, what does that mean? I need to go to the park for my mental health. I need to get my haircut for my mental health. There are things. Right. So they they built exceptions into these things that are unbelievable. So you can use those. I don't think if you're against civil disobedience, you don't have to be disobedient. I also think most of these things are unconstitutional. So you have a situation where they've now imposed unconstitutional burdens on you. You're not being civilly disobedient if you follow the Constitution and not some unjust, unconstitutional law. And And here's the last thing is I'm just asking you to go shop. <laughs> it's not a big deal. I'm not asking you to go out and destroy public property. I'm not asking you to go spit on police officers. We love our police. Right. This isn't rules for radicals. Right. Exactly. Right. This so is not go, the Saul Alinsky Foundation. Right. No, just go do the right thing, which is just go shop. Just go dine. Just go out into public. Just be a free American. This is really important. This is why we call it hashtag Freedom Friday. Just go be free. That's what we're saying. This is your birthright. And people People died to secure that birthright for you. And so we're going to stand up for that. It's the least we can do. People went and died. Steve, all I'm saying is go shop, go open your business. If we all do it at once, by the way, what happens is they can't do anything to us. This is a big point. Right. If you all right. do it at once, they can't come after all of us at once. This is you're reinforcing something I say on this show all the time, Mark. We are not a nation of laws and never have been. We're a nation of political will and always will be. All right. The reason why uh, one Supreme Court opinion has been treated on called Roe v. Wade has been treated as the law of the land is because the other branches of government right down to your local and state governments just decided to treat it as such. Right. Right. I mean, you can make all the arguments about, uh, uh, you know, uh, structuralism and original intent and stare decisis and all that other stuff. You make all those arguments you want. But if a bunch of people decide that that they're going to enforce this as the law, whether it's a legit law or not, it has the force of law. Right. And that's the same thing here. We were always going to be the ones that were going to decide how long these lockdowns lasted. 
as long as you were willing to stay in your home and email the Steve Day show because Governor Fister or whatever his name is in Illinois, you know, is a, is a douchebag. Uh, as long as you were willing to do that, the lockdowns were going to continue. But the minute that you, you grabbed your uh, concealed carry and took your kid to the park and, and, and swung your baby uh, princess on the swing, that's, that's effectively when you pronounce the lockdown here is over. Come arrest me, right? That's essentially what we're saying is it's time for the American people to say, all right, we did our part. All right, we flattened the curve. In fact, we flattened it so much, we're closing hospitals all over the country. Back to work, back to being Americans. And can you guys finally protect the elderly? You told us three months ago that this was all about. And they're dying in droves right now in all of these nursing homes. So maybe maybe while we do our part in getting back to being Americans, you folks over there at the CDC with all your grand plans and everything else, you can actually do what you, what you friggin' promised us on March 10th and protect our grandparents maybe once after what we've watched the last three months instead of holding us in our homes instead. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's important to note is there are people who've been long doing this already, people who I think are American heroes. I spent the last few weeks on the phone, on Zoom calls with people who are standing up, who are organizing the movements around the country. In Michigan, the big group in Michigan right now is having a huge freedom festival in Nuevo, Michigan. I'm sure in some way the governor there, Governor Whitless, would say it's against the law, but they expect to have over a thousand people gather there, spend their money, celebrate the United States of America. There's my good friend, Sarah Huff. She's in Holland, Michigan, young hairdresser, opened her studio. They threatened her. They issued a cease and desist yesterday. She was on the steps of the state capitol cutting hair. They cited her for being a disorderly person for cutting hair. And so there are people who have been willing to stand up. There's Patty Miracle down in Florida. We all think Ron DeSantis, right? He's the be all and end all in regard to this. The bars in Florida in on Memorial Day weekend are shut down. Imagine what that's like if you're a small bar owner, family business, this is your livelihood. You are shut down on the opening day of tourist season in Florida. And by the way, that's only if you have 51% alcohol sales. If you have 51% food sales, you're open. So these people are starving to death all over the country. And we're saying no more. It ends. The lockdown is over tomorrow morning. Finally, one of the things that uh, I've tried to do you know, kind of helping to spearhead the pushback on this for the last few months is to practice what I preach. All right. So when I said, hey, take the initial recommendations about sanitation and social distancing from from grandma and grandpa, take that stuff seriously. We did that in our home as well. When when the stuff started to open up and I said, hey, you should go day, I would go day one. I'd go day one to a restaurant. I'd go day one to church if they open it up. We went to these places day one as soon as they opened up. And that's the reason I'm here today is ultimately if I'm going to tell people to get out of your homes, it was time for me to get out of my home and and, and get on a plane and say, hey, um, I'm going to do exactly what I ask you to do. So what's tomorrow look like for Mark Meckler? All right. What, how, what, what, what are you going to do to take part in this? Well, first, I want to say I've been doing exactly what you said. We stayed home. We we uh, socially distanced. My folks are elderly. We stayed apart from them for a while. But at some point, a few weeks in, I got on an airplane and I flew to Michigan. My daughter had all her stuff in Hillsdale College. We rented a U-Haul. We drove across the country, me and Lucy and Jacob. We stopped in gas stations. We went to the few restaurants we found that were open. So we've been in it. And, and by the way, Steve, I'm frustrated here in Texas with my own church. They could be open. They're not open. Celebration Church in Georgetown, great church. 
I'm not thrilled with Pastor Joe right now. And I expect these guys to get off the ball and get open. I'm looking for a church that'll open. But what I'm going to be doing, and honest to God, tomorrow morning, I'm going out to breakfast. I don't normally go out to breakfast. I don't normally even eat breakfast. But tomorrow morning, we're going to go out to breakfast, a local breakfast joint that's open, locally owned, and we're going to have breakfast. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to work during the day. And then I'm going to take a break and we're going to go out to lunch. We're going to patronize another joint. We're going to do this all day long. And as we go into Saturday, I'm going to go out and shopping. I need a haircut. I'm going to go to the local salon and get a haircut. I'm going to any business that's a local business that's willing to be open. I'm going to spend the next three days doing that. All right, Mark, one more time, give people around the country the information they need uh, to either get involved with their community or see what's happening in their state. So go to openthestates.com and check out what's going on in your own state. And it's really easy. What you want to do, if, you, if you're a person on Twitter, you should tweet out hashtag Freedom Friday, openthestates.com. Go there. But the main thing, man, just stand up and say no more. I will not consent. Go out, open your business and go shopping, go dining out, enjoy yourself, get back to being an American and remember what people died for this weekend, because we're going to go stand up because those people were willing to give all. Good to see you, my friend. Take care, Mark. God bless you, Steve. Thanks. You bet, brother. See you. Same to you. All right, gentlemen, back there in Des Moines, your thoughts on the conversation we just had with Mark Meckler from Open the States. Well, do that, of course, but I hope that there's many uh, legal organizations out there that are ready and willing to provide, if not full-on pro bono uh, defense, uh, heavily discounted defense. Because listen, there's... uh, there's been a lot of great sheriffs who have seen the writing on the wall, but there's still a lot of Barney Fife's out there, and there, there's going to be a price for doing this somewhere. And it can't it can't be everybody's response to say, "Well, you're on your own." Then this call to arms has got to be a call to arms on the legal level as well. And I hope there's many people willing to stand that post. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's if there's we we keep talking about this and basically every story where there needs to be justice. Where is the justice? Where where is the lesson learned? Where is the where is the warning to other people? Don't do this again. Where's the example being made? Okay, so if you're if you're a a police officer who's arresting somebody for going and working out in a gym, uh, yeah, that person needs to be made an example out of that. I think that's what Todd is talking about. As far as the the framing of this goes, I I love the framing of uh, of of this happening around Memorial Day. When you think about all of the the brave men and women throughout our country's history who have given their lives, did they join up? Did they give their lives for us to twiddle our thumbs or to say, eh, you know, I'm just going to wait till I'm just going to wait till the governor tells me I can go out and get my hair cut. No, I, I don't think they 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 died for that. I mean, you could ask each one of them, uh, maybe if you if you could ask each one of them, maybe they'd they'd give you a different answer. But I, I don't think I think they maybe died for a lot of things. I don't think they died, died for that. And so I, I love the framing of this happening around Memorial Day. That's the least we can do is to just act like Americans to go out, enjoy the outdoors, uh, go out and shop if you can go out and support your local businesses. That's some of the least 
that I, I think we can do. And I hope I, th- I hope every uh, American within the sound of our voices actually takes heed of this and and does that as well. I mean, I'm I'm right there with I think each and every one of us here in the studio and down there in Dallas as well. To whatever degree we've been able to do, we've been we've been going out to eat. We've been doing activities outside where it's uh, where things have have opened up and even where, you know, uh, we've been pushing for things to open up that need to be. So um, just go out there and live your lives. That's that's the basically the that's basically the message. Go live your life. Go live your life. Don't just exist. Well said. And hey, if you've got friends and family that are still worried, concerned, go grab the clip from yesterday's show with Daniel Horowitz, who just put a neutron bomb uh, to the the numbers uh, and the death numbers for coronavirus. And then we did some of that at the top of yesterday's show as well. Trust me, for the vast majority of us, it is safe to go out and resume being Americans. Hour two, Theology Thursday is next. All right, back here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Hour two underway here. Steve Dace, I am on location in Dallas. Figured if it's time, if I'm telling all you to get out of your homes, it was time for me to do the same thing. So I am on location. Todd and Aaron are back down in Des Moines or up in Des Moines, holding down the fort there. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Don't forget to leave us five-star reviews. If you like the program, if you think it's got a good beat, and you can dance to it. Uh, the more of those five-star reviews we get, the more it helps the show to grow. If you have not yet left us one, it, chances are you could be unemployed since there's 40 million of you right now. You got some free time. Maybe today's the day for you to finally uh, give us a helmet sticker. If you've already left us one, see if you can leave us seven or eight more. I'm not sure that those will count, but there's only one way to find out. All right. So thank you to the thousands of you that have left us one of those five star reviews already. Three non-political questions is coming up here at the bottom of the hour, but uh, we're going to begin this hour with Theology Thursday brought to you by the Classic Learning Test. The SAT and ACT are often thought of as simply inconvenient tests that students have to give up uh, a Saturday to take a few times as juniors and seniors. The reality, however, is that the SAT and the ACT are the two most powerful forces driving curriculum in the United States today. Indeed, high-stakes tests like the SAT and ACT drive instruction and curriculum both and there's no question that the college board who owns the sat is a far left organization just last year the college board had students reading bernie sanders op-eds on the sat but the good news is there is a new company taking them on it's called the classic learning test or clt it's been around for just over four years and it's already been adopted by more than 200 colleges and nearly every college will now consider clt scores as a supplemental component for an application The CLT is shorter than the SAT and ACT, and students now take it from the comfort of their home through remote proctoring technology. The final CLT of the year is coming up June 20th. So that CLT, June 20th, is rapidly approaching. And with the SAT and ACT canceled, the demand for the CLT has been so high that the seats for the June 20th CLT are already limited. So currently there's less than 8,000 seats remaining nationwide. 
Don't miss out on this. If you know a high schooler, high schooler or have one yourself, save your seat and register today. Hundreds of colleges already offering tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships for CLT scores. To register for the June 20th official college entrance exam, visit cltexam.com, cltexam.com. Again, you can register now at cltexam.com. Well, let's get to Theology Thursday. We're going to share with you a presentation that I made at a conference that I presented to virtually recently on Romans 13. What does Romans 13 mean and what doesn't it mean since today is a, the theme of the day today is defiance, taking back our power, our authority as we the people uh, and ending these lockdowns by our own actions and not waiting for government decrees. Today's a good day to play this presentation and then afterwards Todd and Aaron will react. Here it is. Hi, I'm Steve Dace. Thank you for joining me for this presentation titled Six Things Romans 13 Does and Doesn't Say and What Every Believer Needs to Know for the First Post-Christian Generation in American History. Let's begin with what Paul writes in Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Given what's going on in our country these days, there's a lot of stinking thinking going on about what Paul does and doesn't mean in these words that he writes in the book of Romans. And he is uniquely qualified to address this subject in a civic manner because he was a rarity in the first century, both a Jew and a Roman citizen. I'm guessing it's a very small percentage of individuals who checked both of those boxes. Both a Jew and held an esteemed company so he could be welcomed with open arms into every synagogue within the empire, but also as a Roman citizen, he was free to visit all of those places. He was free to be the apostle to the Gentiles as well. A unique combination. He also had some form, albeit proto versions of a lot of the freedoms we have, but he did have some nascent form of civil liberties as a first century Roman citizen as well. And we see in the book of Acts, for example, him invoke those civil liberties uh, in order to both defend his freedom, but also to advance the gospel. So he's uniquely qualified to address the dilemma that we as American believers face in this particular era, a post-Christian era, the first one really in American history. 
So let's dive into this. Let's look at what Paul does and doesn't say in these verses, one by one, beginning with this first and most important point. Romans 13 does not mean do everything government tells you. And you know this by looking at how Paul himself lived out his own teaching and what happened to him as a result. When trying to explain the principle of headship in the home to my own daughters, I explained it to them this way. If I asked mom to join me in a drug dealing business, should she do it? I am the head of the home. Should she submit to me and join me in Breaking Bad? And the girls, when they were small, would kind of chuckle and say, no, that's, that's, that's dumb, dad. That's silly. Well, you need sometimes to illustrate absurdity by pointing out the absurd, right? And, and that means there's a chain of command. That I might be the authority in the home as the husband and the father, but I am not the ultimate authority. There is a higher authority. And that higher authority says, don't be a drug dealer. All right? So, should my wife submit to me if I ask her to do something that violates God's command? Or should she submit to God? The answer, of course, is the latter. The same thing applies here. And you can tell that that's what Paul means by the way he lives this out himself. I know we live in this era of reconstructionism and reductionism. And we live in this era of Bible studies where we ask each other banal questions like, well, what does that verse mean to you? Nothing. No one should care what it means to me. I, I didn't write it. They should only care what it means. <laughs> All right. So, so Paul gets to determine the context here. He's its author writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what do we know from tradition about the end of Paul's life? Nero decapitated him. Why did he do that? Probably because Paul wasn't willing to do everything Nero, who was a notoriously vile, cruel, inhumane Caesar. Probably because Paul was not willing to do absolutely everything that Nero commanded. If he were, then there was no reason to execute to martyr Paul. So you know from Paul's own life, the times he was in chains, the times he was imprisoned, the times he was accused, sometimes falsely, the times that he was ultimately executed, you know from his own life that he didn't mean here, do whatever government tells you to do, no matter how damnable and dumb. That brings us to our second point we want to look at here about Romans 13. Romans 13 is, a, is therefore a civic application of a universal biblical truth slash creed that is stated repeatedly throughout the scriptures. We are to obey God and not man, to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and to render under God that which is God's. Paul even closes with his own variation of this at the end of the scriptures we looked at in verse 8. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Do not give a civic ruler respect and honor that goes to God alone. Do not put cultural custom above Christian doctrine and say, well, I'm just following Romans 13. No, you've actually bastardized Romans 13. You're following the world, not the way. No, we are to obey God and not man. This is repeated constantly and consistently throughout the scriptures. We are not to win in Rome 
do as the Romans. We're to be a holy, peculiar, set-apart people. There's to be something distinct and different about us. And one of the main things that should be different about us is we live in this life as if we are citizens of another kingdom. Point three, in our six things every believer needs to know about Romans 13 and what Romans 13 does and doesn't say. The purpose of government is to punish evil in order to protect the righteous. Paul writes, the state, the government, is to be an avenger. Another translation says, an avenging angel. He does not brandish the sword in vain, meaning it's not to be wasted. He is to wield it. It's there for a purpose, and that purpose is to punish evil in order to protect the righteous. That's why Paul says, don't run afoul of the law. If you can avoid it, of course, sometimes you can't because the law itself is immoral. But when the law isn't immoral, don't be immoral in violating the law. Otherwise, that sword will be brandished against you. Even as a believer, you will not be immune from that justice. When you break the natural law, it breaks you. And that is the role of government. It is not here to play referee. It is not here to determine what is fair. It's not here to determine what is right or wrong, but to enforce that which was right and wrong predetermined before it. That is the role of government. And by doing so, by punishing criminals rather than letting them go because they might have coronavirus to go who knows where, that's not government's role. Government's role is to protect you from those criminals, not release them into the gen pop. Number four, government is every bit as accountable to God as the governed. Since it's instituted by God, appointed by God, permitted by God, therefore it is accountable to God. God is no respecter of persons, the scripture says. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He, she, they, every bit is accountable to God as are you. There is no divine right of kings or special dispensation for people whose opening line when they meet you is, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Quite the opposite. History is replete with examples that the same total depravity that threatens each and every one of we mere mortals is especially temptable to those with all of that power and access to other people's money. No, government is every bit as accountable to God as are the governed. Point five, in our country, we the people formed the union and the constitution that guides and governs us. And our politicians are public servants who only govern by our consent. So we are not to submit to them as much as they are to submit to us. Therefore, in the case of these United States, we the people are the instituted authority that God has appointed. This is one of the major sticking points I see a lot of American believers and pastors get wrong. Well, I have to shut down my church because blank, because government told me to. Well, I have to bake the cake blank because government told me to. Wrong. You are the authority, as am I. We, the people, 
We are the authority. It has derived its powers from us. God has permitted this unique structure that we call Republican form of government or democracy. We, the people, formed the union. We, the people, ratified the Constitution. We, the people, go to vote. Remember I said earlier, Paul had sort of proto versions of the civil liberties we have today. Well, what Paul did not have was a representative form of government. That's what we get to have. We elect proxies. They are to govern on our behalf. We have referendums on their success or lack thereof. These are called elections. We get to remove them sometimes even sooner, sometimes for a criminal action or an impeachment or a recall of some kind. No, all of the ultimate accountability in our system resides with the people, not with the politicians. We don't submit to them. They submit to us. This is not a king-servant relationship, a king-subject relationship. This is a citizen-public-servant relationship. And that, when you, get, when you understand that, you learn two things. Number one, why this country has been a huge promoter of religious freedom, both within its borders and across the globe until recent times. And that has been to the benefit of the Christian church because it recognized that government is not God. God is God. But then two, you recognize why we've lost so much of our freedom and liberty and our religious freedom is so imperiled right now as well, because we have given up the premise of our government. We've abrogated our authority. We've done what is wise in our own eyes as opposed to letting our yes be our yes and our no be our no and keeping our vow and saying, hey, we're serious about this responsibility, serious enough to hold politicians who violate their oaths of office to hold them accountable. And yet in this country, over 90% of incumbents get reelected in every election. So the same people that like to complain all the time about corruption in politics will often then just turn around and vote for the same people they were just complaining about. That is not the fault of the political process. God says to the prophet Ezekiel, hey, when the people sin, they're guilty of their own sin, but you that were appointed watchmen on the wall, you're, you're guilty too. You didn't warn them. You didn't impart to them what I told you to say. You didn't hold them accountable. Well, in our country, we, we are those watchmen on the wall. The final point to make about Romans 13 as we enter into America's first post-Christian generation, every believer needs to be prepared to tell government no. You will not stand down on the gospel to appease your cultural customs or your authoritarian decrees, just as Paul did. Some of you may be unsure. Boy, could I, could I really say no when they tell me I have to teach my kids that Heather has two mommies, that there's such a thing as 57 genders. Some of you may not be sure, boy, when they, when they show up at my bakery, can I resist or my floral shop? Well, I bring you glad tidings of great joy to close out our conversation here today. If you as a believer are unsure of whether or not you have the courage of conviction to say to government at some point when it wants to violate your conscience and get you to do that which God says is wrong, if you're unsure whether you can tell government no or not, 
The good news for you today is you're going to find out. Because in the post-Christian generation in which we live, straddling the fence will not be tolerated. You will be made to care. You will give a yes or you will give a no. You will, each and every one of us in this era in which we live, the system will demand that we choose ye this day. And so does God. All right, that's a presentation I gave to a virtual conference uh, a couple of weeks ago on Romans 13, what it does and doesn't say. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the Theology Thursday this week? Well, I'm always struck, if you take it out of the theoretical and the ex- in, put it into the experiential, I'm always struck that American Christians stumble on this and I, I haven't had a lot of direct conversations like I, I obviously you have Steve I'd be curious when we're done talking if you say like what what's the vibe you get because it, you, you you why would you even celebrate July 4th if you're really hung up on this thing your, your country mm-hmm. is a scam from the get-go if you're really that concerned about this thing I think it's I, I think it's at, at base ultimately I think people that misperceive what this is all about do it because i think it was c.s lewis it might have been chesterton who said um and i'm it's a paraphrase of a quote that the courage is the virtue that breathes life into all the other virtues and just today steve uh, it's amazing it's it strikes me as providential that i i spoke about this on my uh twitter feed i said this is as deep a truth as i've come to know via lots and lots of experience and i retweeted a quote i saw from thomas jefferson that steve you no doubt are going to be familiar with but he said timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the temp- tempestuous sea of liberty Mm-hmm. Does that speak exactly to the times we live in? Yep. Coronavirus, yep. you said accepting transgenderism. I don't know. I know it's crazy, but I guess these are the times we live in. We just end up that that's the anchor. That's that that what uh, it has a grab on our soul. And so then we read that scripture and we and this happens to all of us. We all have feet of clay. Oh, well, there's my out. See, it it says it, it's clear, it's black and white, and if you decide to not see the context behind it, that right out of the gate you said the first thing you talked about is the context of Paul's life as a whole, we all have the ability to put those blinders on really hard if that's, uh, if we decide that... uh, the uh, tempestuous sea of liberty is just too much for us at any given time. And listen, as mm-hmm. an American people, let's just face it, we've shown that it's too much for us on a regular basis. Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty easy, uh, at least just from an intellectual level to assent to if the government tells you to murder somebody, you don't do that. That goes against God's law. Something that's cut and dried like that. It's pretty easy to say, well, you know what, uh, that, uh, that, that, you know, we're not going to do that. Now, when it comes to matters of conscience, which we have seen numerous examples of, you don't have to go very far, no matter where you are in this country, to find the matters of conscience. Should we shut down our church or should we not? Should we not meet together or should we? How long should we not meet together? What is your motivation? What is your motivation for making that decision? That's something that we talk about and have talked about long before coronavirus. What's your motivation for making the decisions that you make? 
Your motivation cannot be, well, uh, anything along the lines of we're doing this because we want to, uh, we want to feel uh, unity with the world or anything like that. We're doing this just because our governor says so. Mm -hmm. Your 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 motivation there is really the spirit of Caiaphas. Better for one man to die than for an entire nation to perish. Just the. Uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not the right motivation. Your motivation always should be irrespective of what the government does in this sense. Why are, are, are is our decision making, and this is for every single believer, corporately in a church setting as well, but every single believer, am I making this decision because I just have uh, this desire to always be at peace or am I making this desire because it's what I feel convicted is going to be the best testimony for me and the best testimony for the gospel? And does that reflect well upon my Lord? Does that mean that you just stay inside the whole time? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, homeless people are still homeless if you want to go down that road. Uh, people still need Jesus. Even when there's a pandemic, people still need to see others. People need that contact as well. So what is your motivation for all of this? Is it just, uh, we just, just, you know, just for now, uh, we just, you know, just can't really go there. If your motivation is, uh, just at any level, I just don't want to go there right now. It's probably a bad motivation. It may be a lot of things, but it's probably at some level a bad motivation. If your first instinct is, uh, you know that voice. You know that voice in your head. Uh, <laughs> if that's at any level of your motivation, you need to check yourself. Let's let me be the one to give you guys some encouragement after what Todd and Aaron just said because I agree with every word of it. But the the Boston massacre happened in March of 1770. We would not declare our independence until July of 1776. Almost six and a half years. And in the 18th century, the days were longer and slower than they are now. There was a lot less to do. There wasn't social media. Um, uh, There weren't Marvel movies. There wasn't cable news cycles reducing everything down to 22-minute segments within every 30-minute block. And yet... And they also weren't distracted with, uh, with some of the, the, the issues that we're distracted by. And yet it still took them as a generation. Six and a half years to get from Crispus Attucks to Thomas Jefferson. Why? Because I, these men, this generation, weren't superheroes. They, they, they needed salvation and forgiveness too. Um, they had their peccadilloes, they had their uh, weak spots, their frailties as well. I mean, one of the, one of probably the most decadent of them all was the guy, Benjamin Franklin, who stood up and said, hey, I have lived a long time, and the, and the longer I live, the more convinced I become of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. I mean, he's the one that stands up and calls for a day of prayer here. And, and he may be the, he might be the most fallible of any of the men there. See, many of these men were wealthy. Many of you know the story of how, when they pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors, a lot of them did. 
A lot of them lost everything, their, their wealth or their lives. These were often men of means. They were British subjects. They had a lot to lose by doing this. See, they, they, they struggled with the complacency to some degree, too. Was it, I mean, they were counting the cost, too. Are, are we really, is the Stamp Act really so bad that, that, that is this really the moment that we, the, that we risk it all? Really, our entire way of life? You know, my daughter's getting married next year, and I got to come up with a dowry. They struggled with this, too. And it goes back to something you've heard me say over the years. Why was there so much bravery at the Alamo? Because there wasn't a back door. If there had been a back door, they would have just hit the eject and said, all right, Santa Ana, we'll see you on the flip side when the numbers are in our favor. But there wasn't a way out. So they had to stand and make, they had to stand and make this historic stand. And most of them die doing it. But, you know, we remember them to this day. But what if they didn't have to do that? They probably wouldn't have. And it would have been smart not to. They would have been smart to Dunkirk and strategically retreat and wait till later. Well, that, that generation, which didn't have Darwin, didn't have progressivism, didn't have cable news, that generation also took six and a half years. There's a reason Thomas Jefferson calls it a long train of abuses. Long. It was a long train of abuses before they finally were fed up and it had enough. This complacency we struggle with is not unique to us. We just have more complacency than other generations have. We have more reasons to kind of say, well, I don't agree, but I'm not sure it's worth it. In any conflict, the side that believes in two things, one, the moral superiority of their cause, and then two, believes that it has the least amount to lose usually wins in any negotiation whoever thinks they have the least amount to lose usually wins they go for broke they don't care they'll walk away they don't care they don't have to get a deal right now the american left believes they have nothing to lose we are the ones that believe we do and that's why we're losing this tug of war the reason gavin newsom went in a week from no fall college and no schools ever again until a vaccine till bring back the sports and we start shooting movies next week is because competition forced his hand leverage forced his hand politics is a game of leverage that's how the left plays it we play it as a game of access who do i know no it is a game of leverage you have the leverage there's more of you and you have all the guns you have the leverage exercise it We'll come back. Three non-political questions are next right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, you know, we're taking a ton of supplements nowadays because our food has been stripped bare of a lot of the live cultures and organisms we need. Um, and that's why we got to put it back in. And the same reason that uh, our food has been stripped, stripped bare uh, for mass consumption and long shelf life, same thing that they're doing with our dogs as well. And that's why your dog could also use a premium supplement like you and I take. And that's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. It is not a dog food. It's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food. 
and it apparently tastes great because our dog Cap absolutely loves it. It is loaded with massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, omega oils, antioxidants, the kinds of things that improve digestion, support healthy skin and coat, gives your dog that youthful energy while improving mobility and joint health. And best of all, again, if my dog's any indication, your dog's going to love the way it tastes as well. So if you want to give it a shot, try it for 14 days. They call it the Jumpstart Challenge. And you can try it for 14 days at roughgreens.com slash blaze. It's just fourteen ninety five for 14 days. And Rough Greens is spelled R-U-F-F, by the way. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. It is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? A question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three non-political questions on the Steve Dace Show because we need a break from the virus. You know, as uh, things start to open up, uh, amusement parks are going to probably be one of the next dominoes to fall along those lines. What's on your Mount Rushmore of amusement park rides? Oh, this is a great question. I love this one. Um, Haunted Mansion. At, at Disneyland or Disney World uh, has to be on the list. I absolutely loved it when I was a kid. I, I you know, I, my grandmother got me into all that horror, scary stuff. Remember, I've told you guys that before when I was a kid. And so um, this was like the, uh, the, the G, light PG rated version of it. And we used to live in California and Florida at times when I was little or growing up. And so we, I mean, I've been to Disneyland and Disney World a bunch of times. And so um, that's, that's absolutely on the list. And uh, the, the the one time so far we've taken our family to Disney, and it was 10 years ago, Noah was three, and I, I, I took him with me on the Haunted Mansion ride. And when you go into the waiting area, and you're waiting to get on, and they do that thing where they, have you guys been there? Have you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have either one of you been there before? Yeah. Okay. So, Todd, you know that thing where the floor falls out? It feels like the oh, floor's falling out well, from underneath you? I've been there. I That's one of the rides that we we had to like set aside and obviously I did not consult you because we didn't get to that one. Okay. So the, when you, when you're you go into like the mansion to wait, to go on the ride and, and you go into like, just like when you go into a mansion, you know, there's like the, the, the parlor area, right. Where sure. you're waiting to be seated and to, you know, for the master of the house to come in. And so you go into this parlor area and, and while you're there, there's like a narrator. I think the narrators, I want to say it's Orson Welles and the floor, it feels like the floor drops from underneath you. And so we go in there, and Noah was 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 uh, three years old at the time, and he thought this was really cool until that floor dropped, and then he jumped up into my arms, and started, and and he grabbed hold of my neck very tightly, and I still tease him about this to this day, and he said, "No, Daddy, no." <laughs> No, Daddy, no. And so then when they open the doors and you can get in to go on the ride, and the whole time we're getting ready to go on the ride, no, Daddy, no. No, Daddy, no. So that that's one of my all-time favorite uh, uh, memories. That's absolutely on the list. Uh, I, I've got two from Universal would be on the list. Um, the, uh, the, the Spider-Man immersive ride yep. at Universal that's in Orlando is well. in yep. 
freaking credible, man. Like I could just like bring a lunch and just ride that all day long and just bring a lunch and halfway through the day, just, you know, stop and eat while the ride. I could not get sick of that ride. It is absolutely incredible. And then the the two Harry Potter rides, the Gringotts one is the more is the newer one. And the 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 scenery and stuff to go in is really cool. But the ride itself is no, in my opinion, is nowhere near as good as the original Harry Potter ride at at Universal, the Hogwarts ride. That ride was insanity. I, I put that on my list uh, when I was a really little kid, and we lived in California. We used to go to Knott's Berry Farm. You guys ever heard of that? We used to go there all the time, and there was a haunted mine ride that I thought was really cool there. And then there's a, a roller coaster at Great America outside of Chicago. And I, I think I want to say it's called Z-Force. And at the time it was considered, the last time I was there was in high school. So it was a while ago. At the time it was considered like the, the, the harshest roller coaster in America or one of them. And it takes you right over. You literally go right over Lake Michigan on one of its uh, uh, steepest turns. So I could, I mean, I'm an amusement park aficionado, man. I could give you all kinds of them. But if I, if I only get, did I give you five? I think I gave you five and not four, didn't I? Okay. So, um, so I'm going to have five heads then on my Mount Rushmore, but those are the first few that uh that stand out to me uh i would go also to uh, great america the very first you'll remember this one it's the very first one i ever did and i like them now i'm fine now but that first one i, I was i was almost I, I think i was in i must have been in middle school when i did my first roller coaster i just had not been to a uh, one until then and i think i was almost no daddy no uh do you remember the tidal wave steve <laughs> It sounds familiar. It's yeah. just all it does is it 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 shoots you out and it it's this it drops like it's, you go yeah. high you do one loop yeah. and you go high again and you do that several times. So yeah. that's the first one I ever did and I re, I still remember just the visceral white knuckling it. Uh, I would definitely say that then the I don't know now five six years ago when my I took my family to uh, to Florida the the Harry Potter rides uh, were outstanding. Nostalgia wise, just some of the other ones I remember. This the reaction of the whole family and my my daughters on the ride. The one in um, Animal Kingdom, the Himalaya roller coaster. What's it? Yeah, that's a good roller coaster there at Disney. We I, had a blast. That had just opened up when we went to Disney World ten years ago. It was considered new. What's it called? It's um, not called Everest. It's I, not called. I, it, him- it, no, but it is. It is. It is like a, a ride through the Himalayas. Yes. that is a. That's a pretty adult roller coaster for a Disney too. Meaning that I I don't know that kids want to go anywhere near that. Well, one. I love it. Yeah. Well, well, I did, and it, it takes you to this. Uh, <laughs> it takes you to this end of the road where there's this looks right. like a, a yeti standing in your way, and then the, it starts right. going backwards. That was intense. And then I for whatever re- it was at the end of the day, it's the last ride we got in at Universal, but it was just perfect for the family experience. Uh, the waiting in line. Uh, what, I still remember what we were talking about. It's their their T Rex Jurassic Park ride. Oh yeah, where you go up yeah. way high and you plunge down. Oh, yeah. it, that yeah. was fantastic too. Yeah, that was another ride that when we got off of it, Noah claimed I was trying to kill him. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, I think for me, I haven't been to very many theme parks in my time. For me, uh, one is uh, Wild Thing at Valley Fair up in up in the Twin Cities. Uh, that one's pretty fun. It's kind of their big roller coaster. They might have a new one uh, since then, but that's one. The Amazing Spider-Man uh, at Universal, that's definitely on the list. Uh, the Revenge of the Mummy at Universal as well. 
That one yeah. is a, a fairly yep, underrated uh, yep. ride, especially the first time you ride it, like a lot of them. But the first time you ride it and you have no idea what's coming next, because the whole one of the big shticks about that ride is that a lot of it is in pitch black darkness and you can't tell what's mm-hmm. going on. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of pitch black, you stop and then you start going backwards into the heat. You know, it's freaking amazing. Uh, and then the fourth one would be the dragon challenge at universal as well. But that one's, uh, that one's been dismantled. They don't have that one anymore because they're building a new ride. Apparently, uh, question number two amongst old Testament figures in the Bible, which three people would you want to play a game of poker with? Uh, Nehemiah number one, and he might be number one, two, three, and four. I mean, if 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 if, if I have a life verse, well, you know, I, other than Romans eight twenty eight, if I have a life verse, it is Lord. I beat these people, and I yanked out their beards. Remember me for what I did to them for you. I mean, that that is a. See, I'm not sure words. you want to play poker with that guy. <laughs> those are those are words to live by. Or uh, I am doing a very great work, and I cannot come down. Uh, so Nehemiah is on the list for sure. Um, Elijah, I want to play poker with a guy who just stands there and and mm-hmm. and talks smack yeah. at his oh, uh, at his opponents and just and mocks them and scorns them right to their faces. I'm um, I'm all in for that. So violent outbursts, box checked. Um, scorn and mockery of of those I disagree with. Box checked. Can you guys see what I'm? Uh, I'm basically looking for people that remind me of my own. <laughs> Yeah, reflection. but you may not win. <laughs> I know, but it would be a fun game. It would be a fun game to play. And I like going up against the best. I might as well play the best, right? Um, and I'm going to go way off the board. I hate to be like that. Who was the guy that said, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to have lunch with Hitler and got crushed, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of go off the board and say Ahab. I'd like to punk him. All right. I mean, I, I would, I would just go out of my way. He'd be the mark at the table. I'd, I'd like to punk him. So I'm going to choose those three. All right. Nehemiah and Elijah as kindred spirits. And I, I just want to take Ahab's money. Yeah. I, I only I think, get three, right? I only yep, get three? Only okay. three. I, right. I think you, you want people with a predisposition to get uh, drunken and sloppy. So, I'll, you know, you got to get them in the right part of their lives. It's like in uh, Endgame where you have to go back in history right at the right time. But you got to get David. You got to get Noah. And um, who? one of you guys, who's a third? Who's a classic drunk? Oh, that's, man. That's not coming to the top of my head right now. But uh, Well, well, there was, um, who was, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son that had oh, the Belchaz- drunken orgy? Was it Belshazzar? He, yeah, that uh, and Daniel told him uh, you have been weighed, measured, and okay. found wanting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, I think for me, definitely Balaam. I mean, I'm going for guys that can tell good stories around the poker table. Sure, and basically sure. anybody in the Old Testament is going to have you can have could, some good you know conjure stories. up a curse on you right but, there on the spot. Yeah, yeah, so you know, I get like um, an ace high, uh, ace high straight or something like that, and then he's like, "Oh, that's cool." But did you ever hear about that time when a donkey started talking to me? That would be fun. Uh, Joseph is another one that could tell some good stories, and I think uh, Samson as well. He'd have some pretty good stories. No, uh, see, I'd be a. Fr- I, I do you want it? Th- uh, playing Samson would be like let the Wookie win. You know what I'm saying? Well, see, you want I, you taking his money. I feel the same I don't way. Know if I'm taking his money. I feel the okay. same way about Elijah. 
because uh, he okay. wasn't, it, it, wasn't he the one uh, that sent the she bear on the kids that made uh, and called down fire. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good yeah. point. So that, that, that's that's, that's that, you, you made a good point there. That's yeah. why I didn't have uh, that's why I didn't have Elijah on my list. Final question: What's the most embarrassed you've ever been in your life? Oh wow! Well, I had a moment yesterday. I don't know if it's the most embarrassed I've ever been. But it was it was the only time I've been I think I've been thankful for the lockdown so far is I had to I got to the airport, get through the TSA and everything else. This in the TSA in Des Moines took longer than it does when it's full. okay? because there's almost no staff and they do everything individually now. okay? Um, And so I've got to pee really bad and I go in to take a leak and then, you know, my flight doesn't leave for another 35, 40 minutes and they tell us five minutes uh, before we board, and I don't know if you can use the bathroom on board, right? So I, I don't know how extreme the social distancing is because this is only an hour and a half flight, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to go in and try to pee one more time. I go in there, and I realize my zipper was down the entire time at the airport. The entire time my fly was down. Now, thankfully, the, the airport was largely desolate, so no one noticed. I'm not sure anybody would be looking there anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, yesterday I had my fly down at the airport, the um the entire time but I, I if i had to pick one moment it's you know failing the quick trip and i just went in there to get some uh, gatorade and stuff for my uh, hotel room while i'm here for the next couple of days failing the quick trip managerial exam as i've told you before that that could be it, it it's kind of funny now you know when i when i when i get feedback from people in washington or new york about my name sometimes and how this guy wants to run for president, but he's too scared to come talk to me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you guys know I failed the quick trip managerial exam, right? <laughs> okay. Makes it even worse. You guys know that I couldn't, you guys know I couldn't multiply and divide fractions properly in 19, in the summer of 1995. So I, I failed the quick trip managerial exam. Can you guys imagine things in, in this? Imagine if I had passed. If I had passed the quick trip managerial exam, how the, the chain of events that would have gone differently. First of all, we, we would not be here right now, likely. Okay. Mitt Romney might have become president of the United States. <laughs> Start thinking of things that would have been different had Steve Dace passed the quick trip managerial exam in the summer of 1995. That, that uh, and having, you know, your cousin who was basically like your kid's sister. We were so close, Angie and I growing up. Having her, because it was her company uh, that she worked for. She was one of their managers. Having her be the one to call you up and say, Stephen, you didn't, you didn't pass the quick trip managerial exam. <laughs> Uh, a lot of things would have been different if I had passed that exam that day. Uh, I, high school, we had this thing, you know, every school in the spring has follies, things like that. I think we called it air band where you do, you, you put together a, a skit with your buddies. Uh, it's not mandatory or anything. You, and uh, I, whatever scene I was allotted, I had to come out uh, off from right into the middle of stage by by myself uh, in character announcing what was happening next. And the skit that was on right before us had used some shaving cream and it didn't get cleaned up. Mm. So mm-hmm. I just went banana peel feet out from under me Mm -hmm. on my back in front of a full auditorium man guys uh the list of times i've been embarrassed is vast and comprehensive but uh that story actually just reminded that todd just told me actually reminds me of a time in high school the final football practice of the year now when i was a freshman i was about yay hall uh yay tall which is 
not very tall. I know that's those watching. It's probably not that great of a frame of reference, but I was not very tall. Very, very small kid. Um, and the last football practice of the season every year, we'd have quote unquote fun conditioning. This edition of conditioning was where we would go to four corners, split up into equal groups. We'd have the tackling dummies with us. We'd run from, we'd run diagonally across the the field and we'd have those tackling dummies with us. And the, the thing was, if you didn't want to get creamed, then you'd run really fast so that you'd miss the other person. And uh, the very last one of the year, one of the bigger kids on the team, just a bully, uh joseph cotts was his name uh to call him out yeah no no he's probably a nice guy now but i'm totally calling him out (laughs) he he got up and he knew he was he was he cut in line so that he could go with me and he just freaking pummeled me in front of the entire in front of the entire team i was pretty embarrassed after that i got i hit my growth spurt though that summer so i i got mine and you got bag at him passive aggressively later on by calling him out on a national program. Oh no, I well got a done. I got a few licks on him the next season. Yeah. All right, there you go. Great stuff, guys. We're gonna stick around and do the overtime. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.